The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. As we wind our way through the, the NFL offseason and as we wait for, for Sunday's Super Bowl, have a special guest for you, uh, here on the show today. I'm going to, uh, to talk to former NFL player and current president of the Brawl Network, Mark Lillibridge. And, and Mark joins us now. Mark, thank you very, very much for, uh, for spending some time. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And I'm excited about being on the show. Hey, just need to tell folks, I mean, I really, really appreciate Mark doing this. This is actually the second time this week we've tried to record this show. Uh, had, uh, had all sorts of, of technical difficulties, uh, later, later in the week. So, so Mark, I, I really, uh, I owe you for, uh, for taking the time to do this a second time. Well, uh, probably just, we'll just, we'll blame it on my technical dish issues and, and, uh, User error on my side, so we want to make sure that the fans know it's not you, that you are the best. Uh, what a great podcast you got going on, and, and so we'll always blame me. I'll take the hit. Uh, I appreciate that, Mark. I don't know if, I don't know if it's deserved, <laughs> but, but, uh, but I'll let you take the blame. That's fine All with right. me. I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll be that guy. Yep. All right. Fine. So, 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 hey, let's, uh, you know, just in case folks aren't aren't real familiar with you and your work, Mark, why don't you uh, tell folks a little bit about your your journey from from NFL through scouting, through being an agent, through now being a member of the media. It's uh, it's been quite a winding road for you. It really has, and it's it's tough to wrap up. That's you know, we're, you're talking, uh, you know, we're almost on 30 years now of, of stuff I've been doing with the NFL. Which is scary to think because in my head and heart, I'm still 25 Ed, but, uh, my body tells me that it's completely different and my bald head tells me completely different. But, uh, uh you, you and I both, Mark, you and I both, goodness gracious. But I, uh, you know, I, I was, I was fortunate. I played at Iowa State University. I was a walk on at Iowa State University, became a captain and, and got a shot in the NFL because of, of testing. And that's why it's really critical. I think, uh, you know, this year, last year it was really tough for a lot of those, uh, draftees the 2020 draftees and this year the 2021 is not a combine it's going to be very unique 
for these guys because I mean that's how I really I mean I I played well but what what got the interest and got me into camp was my pro day uh workout um and forced scouts to go back and watch more film of me and so um you know I I feel for those guys that didn't get those uh those pro days but you know for me I, I tested really well I got a chance with the Philadelphia Eagles um you know was there with Ray Rhodes his first year and you know I knew I, I was a little bit I'm not gonna say intimidated but just I didn't know if I really belonged in that, that first year. So I went and played CFL, uh, the rest of that season for Forrest Gregg for, who for me was uh, a lifesaver because just, you know, Vince Lombardi called him the greatest player he ever coached. And I would sit in his office and just listen to stories. I'm a football historian, grew up, you know, loving football, wanting to play football. I was a, went as a football player every Halloween, um, collected, you know, football cards and posters and, Penance and anything you could do with the NFL, something I always wanted to do and be involved in it. And so I, uh, uh, you know, I have to play for him. He helped me then get to Buffalo Bills. I was there with them for that off season, uh, after coming off all those four Super Bowls that they lost, unfortunately, but it was around a lot of great human beings, a lot of great men and football players as well. Um, and really learned a lot from there. Chris Spielman, of course, being one of them. And, and, uh, you know, I left there and, and, uh, I, I led the team in, Tackles actually in the preseason had a great off, great offseason, great preseason. Uh, they were just loaded at linebacker. And so, uh, I got cut and ended up signing with the Dolphins with Jimmy Johnson. Uh, played for him for two years, uh, was allocated NFL Europe. That's really where I learned how to play the game and, and learned how to handle the speed of the NFL, I guess would be the best way. And then went to New Orleans for two years with Mike Dicka and, and, uh, Jack Del Rio was down there as my linebacker coach and Rick Venturi. Great, just had a great experience in New Orleans. Just got hurt, got hurt both years and, couldn't stay healthy, but, uh, you know, when I retired, I, I knew I wanted to stay involved in football. I wanted to do coaching or scouting or do something. And, and, uh, you know, I was fortunate that the Green Bay Packers offered me an internship. Um, went up there for a scouting internship. Actually, the, the late great Reggie Cobb and I were roommates, uh, in our internship. And, and, um, you know, Reggie was a former running back in for Tampa Bay. And it's funny because I used to play him. I used to play as him in Tech Mobile. I would be Reggie Cobb, uh, when I was in college. And so now I get, the, I'm rooming with him. I, when we're in St. Norbert's in Green Bay. I brought my Nintendo and I would play him versus himself. Um, when we'd be, we have free time. So <laughs> wow. Great. And then, you're, uh, you're dating with the, yourself though with the Tech Mobile stuff. Hey, Definitely man, dating. That's yourself. fine. I don't care. That's young bucks need that. They're all fired up right now. And, you know, talking about this NCAA getting the running back in NCAA, they they have no idea. They they'll if they got run back Tech Mobile, man. They, you could never be Bo Jackson on that game. We wouldn't let anybody be the Raiders because Bo Jackson was unstoppable uh, on the on the off tackle run. So, um, you know, Jerry Rice on the slant, you couldn't be those. You couldn't be the 49ers and you couldn't be the the, the Raiders. But we would uh, as we do this as we fast forward that. So, you know, I was there for a great work for Ron Wolf. Had a great time there. Um, you know, he really got me into scouting and, and really opened my door, eyes up to that. And that's what I really loved. I had opportunities to move into coaching, had some opportunities to do some other stuff, but I just, I love finding players. I, I God gave me a talent for evaluating talent. And, uh, and so I, you know, I used that very well. I got a lot of great stories out of Green Bay. Um, you know, one of them quickly was I, I had a chance that year to, to go work for Sporting News. Uh, we're talking in the year 2000 to go be the, the NFL writer and fantasy football writer for them, be their editor. And, and, uh, you know, Ron, um, came to me and he's like, Hey, I, you know, I already got a job with the, you know, sporting news. I'm like, well, how do you know that? Nobody knows that. 
well, the guy who wrote his book was also worked for Sporting News. So of course, you know, they, they're going to help each other out. And, and, uh, you know, he's, they, he offered me half of what I was going to get paid, uh, to, you know, to be a scout. And it was $21,000 what he offered me to, to become a scout. So everybody sits there and says, Oh, scouts are paid and there gets glamorous. Now nah, it was, it, it was not, uh, it was actually less than poverty. Um, but I didn't even think twice about taking the job. I, I wanted to be a part of the Packers organization. I wanted to, uh, you know, work for Ron Wolf and, and I wanted to be a scout. And so I worked there until 2005. Then I went to Kansas City for a year, uh, worked for the transition between, uh, Coach Vermeil and Coach Edwards, uh, and Hunter Edwards, of course. And then, you know, that he, he wanted to make some changes to his front office as any good new coach does. Uh, that left me on the outside looking in. So I, instead of moving my family again and doing all the things I needed to do, I uh, decided to become an agent. So I got in the agent business. I had some great players, represent a lot of really good guys. I'm very good at, and I'm not tooting my own horn, this is just a talent God gave me, is finding players that haven't reached their peak. And I'm uh, very good at small school guys. So players like Ladarius Webb, Johnny Knox, Damon Harrison Snacks, um, you know, players like that that, that hadn't, really peaked yet from smaller schools, Jacoby Jones, of course, from Lane College, all guys that I represented, you know, coming out of college and, and really kind of helped get their careers off and running. Um, sold my agency in 2015 with the idea I was getting back into scouting. That didn't transpire, but I, I started working then with high school athletes and, and, and college athletes getting them ready for the pros and, and uh, as far as training. And that's what I do now is, is I run the Brawl Network and, and talk football and we covered the, the Gridiron Showcase. Uh, last week down in Fort Worth, um, and talked to a lot, you know, talked to, heck, I think over a hundred prospects, uh, that are getting ready for this draft. But then also I help with, uh, high school kids, uh, helping them, uh, try to get college scholarships. And so got a big day today because big signing day is going on right now. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's been exciting. Anything, you know, help, help secure the Battle Hawks here in St. Louis when the XFL is coming in. I, mean, I work at that facility and, old Rams facility. So it's been, it's been anything that, anything that has to do with football in St. Louis. I try to have my hands involved in it and really anything to do with football anywhere. If I can help anybody in the football world, I absolutely love it. Hey, there you go. So I need to ask you, let's talk a little bit. You know, you talked about your journey to the NFL. You talked a little bit about the, the college gridiron showcase. Let's talk a little bit about this draft about the lack of a combine about how teams are going to go about you know scouting players and getting the information that they need and i know this process with this draft class it's been going you know teams have been scouting these guys for a couple of years now but how much does no combine change the process for teams and are, are there guys who who are going to be to be hurt by this and, and maybe a, a, a set of guys who, who might be helped by, by the, uh, by the lack of a, of a combine. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's very fair. I think, uh, when you're talking about that, I, you know, like I said, I was a combine type guy and, uh, you know, I don't get a shot unless I, I was fortunate. I was 242, uh, when I had my pro day and I ended up running a four, five, six, uh, 40. And so, you know, I think that put me on the map and then I was, I tested really, really well. Uh, I think I, I benched over 30 times on the 225. My vertical is 36. Um, my broad jump was 10. And so I, that, that was one of the things where people could see my movement skills and say, okay, well, I got an athlete here. This is a guy at least late round or free agent, you know, like of course I ended up being a free agent. Uh, but 
that that put me on the map. But I think for some of these guys, and, and very similar to last year, uh, you know, these guys didn't really have pro days. At least there was a combine. So this not having a combine, it's it really puts the onus on the teams that know how to scout and number one have great connections because they can get all the film, can talk to the strength coaches, can talk to the the, the trainers. Get the medical. That's going to be a bigger part of it than really anything is the medical. That's what the combine was initially, why it was started was to be able to get the medical records at one location. Have these guys that had some, you know, uh, previous injury history, be able to get them to the hospitals in Indianapolis and, and, uh, you know, started. I mean, actually when it started, it was in Oklahoma City, but then the hospitals in Indianapolis just were, are just so world class. Be able to get these guys in and out efficiently and be able to say, okay, you know, this guy had an ACL and, and, you know, 2016, 2017, well, we want to recheck that knee and, and get a retest and make sure everything's, you know, copacetic and ready to roll. So that's a, that's a major part of it. But I think then it's, it is going to hurt guys that maybe the smaller school guys, uh, that were maybe showed up at a bigger school and, and had a really good pro day. It's going to hurt backup type guys that maybe weren't, you know, like a Matt Castle. And I always go back to this, but you know, Matt Castle was a guy at USC. Who, you know, backed up a lot of really good players, never really got a lot of time on the field, but his pro day, he lit it up. And, you know, it was, people were like, man, this guy looks the part and he's throwing the ball. Um, you know, and that got him into the NFL. And so you, you got players like that at, sure, at Alabama and, and, you know, LSU and some of the bigger schools that it'll hurt a little bit. Uh, but I think it's just, it's, it's, it's not easy. This whole society is, and it hasn't been easy society wise. Um, but you find a way. I mean, players, you know, you have to do what you have to do, and agents. It makes the agent's job that much more important uh, to make sure that their clients are getting in front of the right people. And so, you know, for for me, we're going to put on uh, a showcase uh, here in St. Louis. Uh, I think April third is right now where we have it, where we're going to you know open it up to some some guys that are, are draft eligible in twenty twenty one. And and now granted, you can't have all the the numbers. Technically, can't be. I, I guess. There won't be NFL certified because they can't be because it's not an NFL run event, but it's still, you can have numbers and these guys can share it through their social media. They can put it on paper and we're going to have a bunch of former NFL scouts running it. So uh, I think that'll help out as much as it possibly can. I don't know if, you know, the, the combine side of it, as far as the testing side of it is about 5% of, of what a player is. Um, you know, I think for years the Raiders would draft off that. I mean, I, I think there's those stories of Al Davis. The fact you always take the fastest guy. Um, and so I think there's sometimes that's, uh, you kind of get over, you get, you, you scout too much. Uh, but I think it's, uh, I, I do think it's a piece of it and, and that piece is missing. So somehow you got to compensate for that. And the teams that overcompensate will get burned and the teams that uh, understand how to scout and that it really is finding the right players. Uh, they're going to have a really, really good draft in 2021. Mark, let me bring this back to the Giants a little bit. You have Joe Judge, who is a a longtime, you know, assistant at Alabama. You know, before he he turned to uh, to coaching, you know, at New England. And on on Judge's staff are a lot of guys who are recent college coaches, and I would imagine that. That recent connection, you know, to power five schools, to, you know, to Alabama, to Tennessee, to they have coaches on staff from Penn State, other, other power schools. Um, I would imagine that 
that all of those sort of recent connections would give the Giants, you know, maybe a leg up and advantage if they use it properly, you know, in a draft cycle like this. Am I, am I right in that? I think you're 100% right. I think that's a great analysis. I think it's a great point by you. Um, I think that, that any, any connection you have, anybody that knows the NFL is, it's a, it's a very, very tight, uh, fishbowl. Uh, but it is, it's, it's not what you know, it is who you know. And, and I think those connections are going to be big and I think they're going to be huge. And I, and I think it's, it's also Dave Gettleman is, a, I think he is, is a, I'm not going to say he's an underrated general manager, but I think there's, he gets a lot of flack for, for, for maybe, I'm not going to say his personality, but for maybe, or lack of personality, but maybe it's, it's, you know, people question a lot of things he does. But he's pretty savvy when it comes to drafting. And I think he, he he's uh I think he really trusts his scouts. I think he knows what he's what he's talking about. And uh, you know, I've been around Dave you know quite a bit and, and I think he's I think he's drafted really well. And I think this year, uh, you know, when you especially when you come to the the, the pending free agents they're gonna have to sign and Leonard Williams, um, or Delvin uh you know, Tomlinson, their D tackles. I mean, they're gonna have to you know, they're gonna have to sign those guys. I'm assuming it'll be Leonard Williams and and, uh, so he's going to have to draft well this year. You know, he needs some receivers, he needs some uh, cornerbacks. Uh, I think they could probably use another linebacker or maybe another offensive lineman. Uh, but you got to find some pieces that, to put around, uh, quarterback Daniel Jones and, and Saquon Barkley at running back. And I think that that's going to be, so this draft's going to be very important for him and, and for the Giants organization. I think they're still young, you know, young team. Uh, but if you can get some good young players around it, uh, by having those connections and, and having Coach Judge be there, you know I think he's going to have to have a really strong voice in the draft room this year, and and I think that will bode well if he does. Um, that will bode well for uh, for the Giants in the future. All right, Mark, let's take a, a really short break here for a word from our sponsors at SB Nation. When we come back, I want to uh, to spin this into some some really specific sort of Giants related topics. All right, Giants fans, we're back here on the Valentine's Views podcast. Ed Valentine with you talking with president of the Brawl Network and former NFL player Mark Lillibridge. And we're talking New York Giants. We're talking draft. Mark, we were talking a little bit before the break just about the, the draft process, lack of a combine, all of that. Let's, let's get into the Giants specifically. You know, you mentioned Joe Judge. And what I wanted to ask about, the Giants talked a lot about wanting to come out of 2020 feeling like they they had laid a foundation, that they had established something that they felt like they could go forward with and, and had them pointed in the direction of, of getting back to being a perennial, consistent contender. You, looking at them a little bit from the outside, do you, do you feel like, like – uh, like they've accomplished at least that much? I do. I think, uh, I, I think, and, you know, we had talked about this previously. I, I think, you know, what Coach Judge did is, is he, he laid down a different foundation as far as, as discipline of culture, of philosophy, of a, of a way he wants to run, um, his program. And, and I think they did that. I mean, they were within one game of, of you know, one in the NFC East. Uh, when I, when going into the season, I think, uh, you know, you would have said there was no chance they were going to be competing for that. I think, I think a lot of people thought it was going to be the Cowboys or the Eagles going to run away with it. Um, and then they, then they competed and were tough 
and battled in every game. And you're talking about doing that without Saquon Barkley, you know, possibly a top two, three back in the, in the NFL, uh, and at times without your quarterback, Daniel Jones. Um, so I, I think it's, it's for me, I think the way that those guys played and responded to the tough coaching and the tough love, um, I think was very important. And I think it's, I think I, I believe, and I read something the, the other day about Andy Reid. Everybody talked about how Andy Reid is such a player's coach and how he's, and he's, his record speaks for itself. His success with the Eagles, his success now with the Kansas City Chiefs. But everybody kind of thinks he's just this, you know, this affable, really nice, you know, sweet man who kind of lets his players do whatever. He talked to guys there. He is a hard coach. I mean, he rides these guys and he expects the best from them and he expects them to play and act like professionals. And he demands a lot from them. But when they meet those standards, then he, then much is given. And that I think is, is kind of along the lines of where I, I see Joe Judge. I think when he started it, it was, you know, there was a lot of people that question, oh, you know, he wasn't going to put their names on their, their jerseys and things like that. Well, what he was emphasizing was his point is he's emphasizing the, the, the team that there's not one guy. It doesn't matter. We can win without Saquon Barkley. We can win without Daniel Jones. We, you're not above this team. If we play as a team and play within the fundamentals and the structure of our organization, we can win. And I think that that went a long way to for those young players. You know, you got guys like Jabril Peppers and you have guys like James Bradbury and, and Leonard Williams who fit in that window. They want to win. They want to play hard. They want to be coached hard. And I think that that's going to go a long way. It already has, but I think now people have an expectation of, you know what? If we listen to this guy, you know, he's kind of a, I'm not going to sit and say he wasn't a, uh, a no name, but it wasn't, he wasn't one of the top you think names out there in the head coaching realm, uh, you know, when people were bringing up candidates, you know, he wasn't a wow candidate, but what he was was a guy who was no nonsense, who was going to come in and uh, ask and demand the most out of the players and the players that rose up and, and, and want that, they have a chance to be on a winner. And if they didn't, then they're out of the league. And so I think it was, uh, I think he did a phenomenal job of setting that, setting that tone. And, and now the young guys coming in, in this draft class or have, you know, something to, to look forward to and, and a standard that is, is set. You know, Mark, we look at the, uh, at, at this week's Super Bowl, you've got Tom Brady, you've got Patrick Mahomes, but you also look at, at the, the teams that made playoff runs. You have guys like Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen. You know, my point being that, that all of these teams have quality quarterback play and and what leads that leads us to the Giants we're heading toward year three with Daniel Jones and Giants fans there are there are some who believe in Jones there are some who don't there are some analysts who believe in Jones some who don't year three is a, a big year for Jones as to whether he takes a step forward whether he's the right guy to lead the Giants long term and 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 that's I guess a long-winded way of my asking you: Are you a believer in Daniel Jones or a non-believer? Well, I'm one of those analysts that's a believer of Daniel Jones. I think that you know it was critical last year was that we didn't have an offseason. I mean, these guys he's, he's walking into the locker room in, in August and in September and never had OTAs, never had a, a mini camp. Um, you know, a lot of the guys you know doesn't have Saquon Barkley. 
you know, he's injured a little bit as a new offensive staff, a new head coach that he doesn't know uh, a new philosophy on offense a new, you know, just, I just think there were so many things against these quarterbacks and actually against the majority of the teams that the teams that rise to the top. I, I mean, I understand that Brady was new to, to, to Tampa Bay, but then they struggled early, right? I mean, it took them a while to kind of get, find their groove. Um, because they were trying to, to learn each other and learn the system and, and just kind of, you know, it's like any new marriage. And so I think that that is, you know, for, for Jones, for me, you know, he's learning new verbiage. He's learning a whole new, you know, protocol for how he's going to, to call plays and, and, and the, the cadence of plays and how they're getting called in. And there's just, there's so many things that are just that transpired that were tough for, for the NFL in general. But, but for teams, I think Daniel Jones is one of those guys. I think he's very intelligent. I mean, of course, he's a Duke, so I think you automatically say that if you go to Duke, you're intelligent, or Northwestern, you're intelligent. But I, but I think he is, and I think it, I, football means something to him. Um, I, I think he has been taught by one of the best quarterback gurus in the, in the world, and David Cutcliffe, of course, was his head coach at Duke. Uh, and I think so. I think he's an ascending player. I think he just needs this offseason will be very critical for him. And I think that that is, and I think that's okay if you are one on that in that fan base or you're you're bummed out about him. Well, you know what? Just take a step back, take a deep breath and say, Hey man, you give a guy his rookie year to kind of figure out the speed of the NFL and just figure it out, right? I mean, just kind of, there's times you're going to see ghosts. There's times you're going to see, you know, you're not going to be able to make the right read. You're going to do things that are just critical. I mean, you look at, go back and look at Troy Aikman's rookie year. Go back and look at Peyton Manning's rookie year. You know, these guys are throwing in the fire early and they, 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 they had a lot of, you know, uh, downtimes. But those downtimes then were, were critical for the fact of learning experiences and, and, and what not to do so you don't make that same mistake again. And sometimes the only way to learn is, is, you know, facing live bullets. And so, um, you know, and then last year, of course, you know, you have a, a pandemic and to be able to try to add a new coaching staff. So I think this year will be critical. This offseason will be critical. And I think how he starts and how he plays this next, uh, you know, this season will be big and then judge him off of what he does in 2021 and then make your, make your case. If he's not the man, then go find the guy, but I would at least give him 2021. All right. And we know that, uh, that the Giants are intending to do that. They've been very clear that they're going to roll with Jones in 2021. I mean, there are fans out there calling for Deshaun Watson trades and, and, and all that craziness, but that's not going to happen, you know, with, with the Giants. I mean, it might happen with, with the Jets, but, but not with the Giants. What the Giants have to do is, is continue to build, continue to add some pieces around Daniel Jones. And, and that starts with, you know, with the guys that are, their own on their own roster guys that are free agents and we talked about this a little bit um you know the the big decision they have to make is with Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson you know with a salary cap that's going down you've got both of those guys who are who are free agents you cross your fingers and hope if you're a Giants fan that they can they can find a way to bring both of them back but if it's only one of the two, if it's only one of the two, does it absolutely have to be Leonard Williams if they can only bring one of the two back? Well, I think that's a you know, that's the loaded question, right? I I think you have to try. I mean, he is a he is a phenomenal football player. I mean, he's an All Pro, Pro Bowl type player. Um, I think he's continually gotten better. I think he still has a ceiling. I still think he's got room to, to get better. He's still a young buck. 
Um, and so, you know, I think Leonard Williams, and I think, I think Leonard Williams has bought into the system of Joe Judge. I think this is something that, you know, from his college history with, with Saban, um, you know, where, where I think he understands this is, you know, I'm going to be held to a higher standard, but if I am, I got a chance to win championships. And so I think that, that, I mean, you're talking, it's probably going to cost you, you know, 19 and a half, 20 million a year, um, to, to be able to sign him. Uh, there's going to be some teams that have, you know, in a, in a year where the salary cap is going down, uh, you know, I think you're going to have to have some creative, um, some creative accounting, but I do think that there's room for it. And I think that you, I, I, there's always ways, there's always ways salary cap people always have ways to be able to manage this. And I think that the league is going to continue to ascend as far as, as the salary cap will, will, will trend up. Um, so, you know, maybe this year you, 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 you backload this contract, um, and you, you put out signing bonuses and prorate those out to 2021, uh, to, or excuse me, to 2022, the league year. Um, you can get creative with this and I think you can get them both done. But if you're going to get one for me, I would get Leonard Williams done, of course. I mean, this kind of sounds like a no brainer, but I think that, that I think Tomlinson is, is a value. And I think if you can find a way to, to, to get them both back, I think you have to, but the other part is Thompson might have played himself. He might have played himself into a role because it's hard to find good, solid defensive, young defensive tackles. And so I think it's going to be, a, it'll be a very interesting market with this. Um, I would, my guess would be you're probably only going to be able to get one of them done. Um, and, and that's the other part. Now, again, is it, are you at the point where that 20 million you're going to pay to, is he worth that to your roster? of a team that is, is you're trying to, I'm not going to say rebuild, but you're trying to fill with young players. Um, you know, is he, is, is he a priority or can you, is that 20 million spent somewhere else to go get four or five other young pieces? Uh, you know, is that to go get a, maybe you go find a corner somewhere, a second or third corner somewhere that you feel is, 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 an, is a player that's going to on the next step of his maturation process. Do you go find a receiver? Um, using that money. There was a guy who maybe was a third receiver for a team or a fourth receiver for a team who's a free agent who you believe could be a one or a two. Um, you know, can you use that money elsewhere? So that, those are all the critical things that are happening in the front office of the Giants and having, have been taking place uh, since the season started last year. And, and, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, now the other part is they, they have a chance to use franchise tag again on Leonard. Um, do they decide to do that? Um, you know, I would think that that probably wouldn't behoove them, but again, that is a, that is a, a mechanism they have in place and, and, uh, and we'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, but they, they got some, they have some interesting things to, to deal with, but it's not the worst, right? It's not a quarterback and it's not, you know, a running back or a left tackle. I mean, this is a, you know, it's a D tackle and, and I, you know, for me, I would get Leonard Williams done as soon as possible though. You know, it's, I was thinking while you were talking, Mark, that it's a different decision sometimes for a team that's, that's six and ten and trying to scale the mountain than it might be for a team that's, that's been a 12 win team, for a team that's consistently been making the playoffs that, that feels like it's, it's right there on the cusp of, of, of being a championship team. It, it, it's, it's not, it's not, really an apples to apples kind of comparison when you make that decision is it no but i think also then you you're you're building your team out for a guy like that for leonard williams 
you're building out, you're not really signing this contract technically for this season of 2021. You're really signing it for 2022 and 2023. And where do you envision your team being at that point? And what, what kind of critical, uh, position is he, uh, gonna play in that turnaround and in that rebuilding or that, that building of that team and scaling that mountain? So is, is he gonna be the point that in 2023, is he a captain? Is he a, a perennial Pro Bowl player? Is he a all pro at that point? Is he the, the leader? Is he a guy that this, that you sit and say that the, on the defense, these players rally around him and he is a linchpin for our team. And he, to throw it back is, is he our Michael Strahan? And so, and that where the other guys rally around him and, and want to, to, to live up and play up to his standard. And so if you believe that and you believe those factors of his personality and, and who he is and what he means to the Giants, then it's a no brainer. You lock him up and, and you ride with him. Now, if he's a guy that you sit and say, Hey, you know what? We feel there's a couple, you know, draft picks out here that, that we could, you know, spend the money on, you know, less or, or maybe heck, there's a D tackle or D lineman. We feel we can get at number 11 in the draft. Uh, th- those are all critical things, and those are all th- those are all played out, game played that that the management front office should be doing. And if they're not doing it, um, then you're getting you know, shafted, Giants fans. But these are all games that 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 they are you know quote unquote war games that should be being played in the war room uh, to be able to say where, where are we with or without Leonard Williams for the next four to five years, and and that's those all those factors play into if he is a long-term signing or not. All right. I want to ask you uh, to put your sort of talent evaluator hat on here. And I want to ask you about Andrew Thomas. The Giants made Thomas the fourth overall pick in last year's draft. First of four tackles taken, I think, in the first 13 picks. You know, Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, Makai Becton being the, the other three. And there was a lot of, you know, everybody had a different opinion. Everybody saw something different with, with those four tackles. I mean, what I said before the draft was if it's me, I'm taking a swing at Makai Becton just because I look at that mountain of a man and I see maybe the biggest upside, although maybe also the biggest risk of of anyone who was in that group. But the Giants chose Thomas as the first tackle to come off the board. And of those four guys, he he had the roughest rookie season. Obviously, the pandemic, you know, being thrown in at left tackle when Nate Solder opted out, a lot of things working against him. But when you spin and you look at that whole down the road, 2022, 2023, the idea that they, they drafted him with the hopes that he would be a, a 10 year answer as their left tackle. When you analyze Andrew Thomas, is he a guy, despite the rough rookie year, is he a guy you think can, can be that, that long term answer for them? I do. And I will say this. I mean, that draft class, I was a Tristan, I was a Tristan Worst guy. Um, I just, the Iowa continues to always produce. And I say that as an Iowa State guy, which is really hard for me to say. Um, but, uh, you know, I thought Tristan Worst was, I thought he was going to be the best out of that group. And it, it has so far, at least this year, that turned out to be the case. Um, uh, but back then I loved him. Wills played really well, uh, this year for the Browns. And, and, but, but Andrew Thomas, I think Andrew Thomas had a phenomenal upside. 
And, and I still think he does. I, I still think with, um, you know, he's coached really well in college, Georgia. I think he's got, um, you know, that he had played some majority of right side, but I think it's, you know, it's tough. It's a different language. It's different, uh, you know, footwork. It's different verbiage. There's different techniques. Um, you know, and learning how to be a pro, man, in New York City is different. You know, it's not like, I mean, this isn't like a, a guy going to Green Bay and you live five minutes from the stadium and, you know, you got two stoplights till you get there. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of different critical things that, that happen, you know, for these guys. And, and this is a guy he didn't have an offseason, right? He's drafted fourth, you know, maybe to surprise of some. Um, and then all of a sudden he has really no contact with his teammates. He has no contact with, you know, Daniel Jones or his, you know, the office coordinators that could be on Skypes and Zooms and all the other stuff that you've got going on now. But he, he can't, you know, put his boots on the ground until August. And then he walks in the door and like, here, you're a playbook. We're going to play in a couple weeks. Uh, you know, here, take a nose swab, get, you know, there's just, you know, not only is he just trying to figure out how to live and be a 20 year old kid with some cash in his pocket and, you know, all the other pressures that you have coming along with it. Now you're in New York City, you know, in the Big Apple. Um, you're trying to, you know, you're, you're, you're just, you know, you're just trying to friggin' hang out with Jay-Z and, you know, just, you know, trying to figure out where to, hey, where, how do I get my power turned on in my, you know, my apartment and all the other stuff that you have is just life, um, in general. And then you're trying to learn a playbook and learn teammates and learn all the other stuff. So I just, I always give guys the benefit of the doubt. And it's the other part about this is, is for me is this. For a guy like that, if you look at the other three guys, okay, and they, and Becton is different, but for worse, to go to Tampa, okay, he walks in the door and, and he's not the, the big dude, right? I mean, nobody's really like, okay, hey, we want you to play, but you got, you can talk to Tom Brady. You can talk to Rob Gronkowski. You can talk, there's a veteran leadership that can kind of help set you up. Then you go to the, the Browns even. Okay. You can talk to Miles Garrett, who's, I know he's not a quote unquote veteran, but he is. I mean, this guy's been around for long enough and they can help you kind of through these rookie woes and, and Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb and, and, you know, other positions for Wills and you know, Becton, right? I mean, not to that degree, you know, you kind of have the same type of thing, um, you know, with that you have with Andrew Thomas is there's not a really great veteran leadership there, but it's, you know, I think for, for that, you don't have, it's tough. And so I, I'm not going to throw it at Will or at Thomas. I'm going to give him one more year. Um, and I think this offseason will be great for him. It's going to be a huge, huge thing. And I think we'll be laughing about this conversation at the end of next season when he grades out really well. And I think we'll be the left tackle for the, for the future for the Giants. All right, Mark, last thing for you. Giants have the 11th overall pick. Giants fans, media that covers the Giants spend a lot of time talking about the fact that the Giants need weapons for Daniel Jones they need they need improvement you know from the wide receiver position whether that comes in in free agency or or the draft or or whatever doesn't doesn't matter as long as as long as it comes um for me there are four there's like a big four of receivers sort of like there was a big four of tackles we're talking about Devonta Devonta Smith Jalen Waddle um, Jamar Chase of LSU and, and Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida. W- when you look at the New York Giants and you look at this draft class, and, and I'm not going to ask you, you know, for a specific favorite, you know, at this point, but when you look at it, do the Giants have to look at this draft board at 11 and say, 
all right, if one of those four guys is still sitting there at 11, you know, we just, we, we have to do that or can they go in another direction and, you know, is there enough receiving help in this draft for them to, to, to do that on day two or, or, or even early in day three? You know what? I, I love this. And I think well, there's so much more work still for, for me to be done, but I think for the Giants, for a lot of people, because you just don't know, right? With, with there's teams that didn't play, guys that opted out. Um, I think that there is, I think you're right. I think those, those three receivers in Trask, um, or excuse me, Pitts would be, uh, Kyle Trask's his quarterback down in Florida. But I think those three, those three receivers in that tight end, uh, I think they're all viable uh, picks at 11. I think what, what works for Gettleman and what works for the Giants is that that's an optimal spot to trade up, uh, for teams that are maybe looking to get, uh, one of the quarterbacks. Maybe there's somebody looking to get, um, you know, a running back or, or maybe one of those receivers. I think this receiver class is really deep. Um, uh, there's a guy, Rondell Moore, uh, out of Purdue, who is a young player. He reminds me a lot of a young Golden Tate. Uh, so Giants fans who I know you've saw him in his later years, but uh, Tate was, an explosive, really, really, really good receiver early in his career. Um, has been very consistent, uh, over the years, but you know, I, I, so I think there's some guys you're going to find in the second, third round that you could find. I think for the Giants, we're talking about a team, you know, and we talked about this earlier at about a kind of a team that's not maybe a rebuilding mode, but in a reset mode and, and you're trying to get some help your young coach out, find some you know, players that fit his, his profile and fit his philosophy. You know, if you could get a couple extra picks out of this, again, and that also helps you salary cap wise. If you are paying Leonard Williams 20 million, uh, now you can, the more draft picks you get and the further back, instead of having to pay a, a you know, a guy 10 million at, at number 11 pick, you can slide back into the 24th, 25th pick in the first round and then pick up maybe a, a first rounder for next year or a second rounder later this year. Well, now you're, you know, that's, you're saving money on the cap this year because of what that slot, uh, is going to pay. You know, pay out. So that, that's some other things that, you know, accounting measures that you could think about this year. So I think it's, I don't know if it's critical. I think you'd be fine if you took any of those three guys. I think you'd be fortunate to take any of those three guys. Um, again, I don't know their thinking and their philosophy of drafting, but, um, you know, for me, I think you're sitting at 11. I think you have to always look to try to trade back, um, here because you're not one or two players away from, being a, a, a division champion, you're not one or two players away from, you know, c- contending for a Super Bowl. I think you, you need, you know, I think there's five or eight players that the Giants need at positions that are critical for them to turn around. Now, if, if that being said, if they, you know, then this changes, right? With free agency, if they go get a stud receiver in free agency, um, maybe they decide, hey, we're not, we're going to let Leonard Williams walk. We're going to sign Tomlinson, but, you know, we're going to put our resources into getting a, uh, you know, a receiver, uh, you know, in free agency and they go sign a big time one. Well, then that completely changes where your draft needs are. So again, there's a lot of things that are going to happen in the next month or, you know, month and a half. It's gearing up for it. It's, that's what makes football great is that it never stops, man. It's 24 seven, 365. And, and, uh, that's why you should be tuning in to listening to Ed on his podcast. And, uh, you know, we appreciate you checking out the brawl network.com. All right. Hey, Mark, really appreciate you, uh, you spending some time and, and you sort of did it there, you know, brawlnetwork.com, but also let folks know where they can find you on Twitter and uh, anywhere else. If, uh, if you've got anything else going on before I let you go. Yeah. I put a lot of breakdown videos. We've been doing some free agent guys, uh, coming up here and some draft, uh, draftable interviews and, 
and content on my my Twitter and, and Instagram handle are at Bridges Football. So that symbol Bridges Football. Uh, I got a, a Facebook page there as well, and got some really cool content on all that kind of stuff. And and when I step in and do some podcasts here and there for the Brawl Network, I kind of are over the top guy. Um, we'll throw some of those up there, and I do different markets and and whatever else. But you can always find me on Twitter. I love to respond. I love talking with football fans at Bridges Football. All right, Mark, thank you very, very much. We'll get you back on maybe to talk about some specific prospects before the draft. Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye now.